Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. A familiar scripture if you have probably been around church for any time at all. Again, Pastor Jack, thank you for the kind invitation to be here. I honor you and Bishop Woodward in his absence. And Brother McNair, I honor you. I appreciate you, sir. I say it quite often in my travels, but nobody has impacted my life as much as Pastor Justin McKenzie. And I know how much of an influence you have had upon him. And so I give you high honor tonight. Micah chapter 6. And verse number 8, he has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and notice this, to walk humbly with thy God. What doth the Lord require of thee? He highlights three things, but I simply want to highlight the last of the three, and that is to walk humbly with thy God. And I want to preach to you this evening the requirement for revival. The requirement for revival. One more time, would you just lift up your hands, and would you ask God to speak and minister by His Spirit? Lord Jesus, we pray right now in your name that is above every name. I thank you for sending your spirit upon us. We feel it moving even now so powerfully from row to row and person to person. And I thank you for that. I bind every influence in this service that is not of God. Every human spirit, every demonic spirit that's contrary to your purpose and the work of your word right now. I bind its influence on our minds. I bind its influence upon our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that the preaching of your word would not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom but God you would help me so this could be done by the demonstration of the spirit and of power I loose the working of miracles into this room now I loose the gift of faith into this room now I loose the gift of healing now I loose the prophetic so our eyes could be open so we could see not by human understanding but by the eyes of the spirit that we could press past the barriers of our earthly thinking and our flesh and we could peer into the realities of the spirit and that you would speak to us this night I pray in Jesus name because your name has all power your name casts out devils your name makes sickness disappear your name tears down strongholds and in Jesus name we pray this now would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise hallelujah we thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus God bless you you can be seated the requirement for revival I remember after receiving the Holy Ghost in 2007 and beginning to come around church, I would hear this expression in passing quite often, I'm sure, even in preaching. But nobody embodied it or perhaps expressed it as eloquently as Bishop John Min. 
I would hear him often speak of walking with the Lord. It's kind of become a phrase that we would use as a synonym to describe our relationship with God. We would look at great men like Bishop Men and say, My, that man has a walk with the Lord. What we're saying is there's something notable about his relationship with God. Certainly there have been some elders in this church. We could call them by name and say, it's evident by their lifestyle, by their worship, by their response to the Spirit that this man or woman is walking with God. What we're saying is there's something notable about their relationship with God. They're walking with Him. There came a time that I began to seek more understanding about this because it's just a passing statement. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've heard that in the church world or in preaching in times past. This expression about walking with the Lord but not really considered it in its fullness. We often reference the account of Genesis 1 where creation happens and the Bible says, I referenced it this morning, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We talk about God moving. We've done it several times in this service tonight already. Certainly God does move in the world even now. He's moved in this service here tonight. That is without question. But it's important to understand when we're looking at Genesis chapter 1 that humanity had not yet been created. But the first time we find God moving... In the context of human relationship, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So the first time the Spirit of God moves in the context of human creation or human relationship, the Bible personifies God by saying He's actually walking. And so in Genesis 1, he moves because what is walking if humanity had not yet been created? But in Genesis chapter 3, now that God has somebody to relate to through the understanding of human structure, somebody that he can come alongside and walk with, when Adam and Eve are in the garden this day, they hear God walking. And so this begins our journey into understanding the significance of walking with God. Only a couple chapters later in Genesis 5 we read about Enoch. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about him, but it does tell us this. Enoch walked with God. Evidently, the walk was so profound, or I would guess had taken him to such a place in the Spirit that God decided to just take him because the Bible says he was no more. God took him. He was raptured away. Almost as if he had walked himself into such intimacy with God that God said, well, you might as well just come with me now. But the legacy didn't stop there. It's in the very next chapter. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us Noah walked with God. In a world that was in chaos. In a world that was in turmoil. 
In a world that was overcome with grotesque sin and great wickedness, Noah walked with God. Then we come to Genesis chapter 12 when God calls the patriarch Abram. God calls him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Calls him to leave all that is common and comfortable and familiar. You're going to have to leave your family, your friends. You're going to have to leave the land that you're familiar with. You're even going to have to leave the security of career that you had known. Well, God, why are you asking me to do all this? And the Lord calls for immediate action. Obedience right now. But he tells him. I'm taking you to a land that I will show you. In other words, Abram, I need you to walk right now. And if you'll start walking right now, I'll show you eventually. But unless you start walking now, you'll never get to see it. And so what does he do? He starts walking with the Lord. It's in the very next chapter in Genesis 13 that God speaks to Abram and says, Go and walk through the land, for I will give it to thee. And then in Genesis 17, he admonishes him, Abram, walk before me. Abraham walked with God. So you see what God started in the garden was establishing a pattern of relationship, a way of relationship, a way of defining relationship that was carried from generation to generation to generation. When God called Abram, Abram goes to his nephew Lot and invites Lot on this journey with him. But the problem was, is that Lot didn't walk with God like Abram walked with God. See, there's a difference between actually walking with God and just walking with somebody who walks with God. There's a big difference between having your own relationship with God and just following other people that have a relationship with God. And the problem with that is, is eventually crisis will come. Confusion will come. Chaos shows up. And if you're not walking with God, you're susceptible in those moments. For when Lot looks out over the well-watered plains, it would seem like the logical place to go. It's easier to grow a crop there. It's easier to have a harvest there. That's where I'll go. Abraham's not so concerned about the condition of the soil because every blessing in his life is contingent upon his walk with God. But Lot, on the other hand, He's not making decisions on the basis of his personal relationship with God. I'm talking tonight about walking with God. So here in Genesis chapter 3 we find this story where they hear God as he comes walking through the garden in the cool of the day. He comes looking for fellowship. 
He just wants somebody to walk with. Somebody he can talk to. The problem was Adam and Eve had disobeyed the command of God. And as I said this morning, fear always lies to you. Fear drives them away from God instead of toward God. Because fear had convinced them that God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't really care about you. You've messed up. Now, here's the reality. There would be a consequence for their sin. But it didn't mean the relationship was no more. But fear always lies to you. In fact, I would venture a guess that there could be some people in this room right now or maybe watching online that in your walk with God, you're far from Him. Because at some point in your past, you made a mistake. You stumbled. You fell. And all of a sudden, fear started whispering to you, well, God doesn't love you. That church won't accept you. That pastor won't receive you. If they only knew how bad you were. And all of a sudden, fear starts pushing you in a direction contrary from God and you find yourself tonight just like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes as God comes walking by looking for somebody to fellowship with. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says God hath not given us a spirit of fear. My friend, fear is not from God. Because the basis of every relationship is love and trust. And fear is the enemy of these virtues in our life. That's why the scripture says it's perfect love that casts out all fear. I've come tonight to preach to you about the requirement for revival. And it sounds simple and in some ways it is. We've got to get back to the basics of walking with God. You say, preacher, is it that simple? My friend, it's that simple. If there could be two or three or four hundred people in the great city of Fredericton that would rise up and say above all else, I'm going to prioritize this one thing in my life. My walk with God. Nothing could be withheld from those people. This is the requirement for revival. You say, can you give me a scripture for that? Yes, I can. Because God came to Moses in Deuteronomy eleven twenty four. He said, Moses, every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread, it shall be yours. And in the next generation, he said, Joshua, what I said to Moses, I'm saying to you, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses you know what he was telling them you peer into that land of promise you look into that land that flows with milk and honey look into that city that's rich with promise whose soil is laden with prophecy you want to know how you're going to get dominion in that land I'll tell you how you're going to have to put the sole of your foot on the soil of the city you know what he was telling them he was saying let's get back to how we did it in the garden and let's just start walking together. 
Let's just start walking together. You know how you get personal dominion in your life? By walking with God. There's no shortcut. There's no YouTube video. There's no three-week class. If you want dominion in your life, if you want to walk in apostolic authority, if you want to have victory in your life and in your family, here's the only way to do it. You've got to walk with God. You've got to walk with him. You've got to have a relationship. There is no substitute for a sincere relationship with God. Look into that city. Look into that land of promise. Consider the possibilities. Just for a minute, marvel at what God could do. But how will He do it? There's giants, there's walled cities. The obstacles are overwhelming. It's so difficult, it seems like too great a challenge. No, God said, if you'll just walk with me into the land, I will give it to you. God renews the promise time and time again. In Deuteronomy 1 and 8, He says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Now what? Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to the seed after them. You have to understand what God is saying. God said this promise has been generations in waiting. And I'm telling you now is the time to go in and possess the land. Now is the time to rise up in the authority God said was yours. And go take the promise that God said was yours. But how God? You got to walk with me. Israel had been waiting and waiting. In fact... They had been walking, but they had been wandering, misguided in their walk, wandering aimlessly in circles around that wilderness. But God wastes no time. Even in their wandering, He sustains them. He gives them food every day. Their shoes don't wear out. He's with them in the wilderness. But the wilderness was not where they were supposed to be. And so God comes. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, in verse 2, the Lord spoke unto me saying, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. God says, You've been wandering around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. God says we need a little course correction in our walk. If we're going to go in and take the land, God said is ours. Israel, you've been here long enough. Israel, you've been wandering for 40 years. I promised you that land and my word has not changed. Israel, that's yours. So it's time to change your direction. It's time to stop wandering in circles around this wilderness. We're having a little course correction, Israel, because I want you to walk with me into the land that I said was yours. And then he tells them, where you are right now belongs to the descendants of Esau. In other words, you've been living on borrowed blessing. You've been living on somebody else's blessing. 
But you can't do that any longer. If you're going to take possession of the inheritance I said is yours, you've got to start walking out of this land that belongs to them. And you've got to walk with me into the land that I said is yours. Here is a somewhat hurting reality. Many people live their entire lives like Lot or like Israel in the wilderness. They never really develop a walk with God on their own. They just walk with people that walk with God. And so we have crowds that amass in buildings like this. Crowds that fill coliseums at conferences. And we go home. But nothing in the local church really changes. And my friend, I thank God for camps and youth explosions. I thank God for North American youth conferences and general conferences. But hear me tonight. All of this rises and falls on the local church. And the reality is, is many times there are crowds that have gathered, but many in the crowd are just walking with those that walk with God and not really walking with God themselves. They're living on land that belongs to somebody else and not land that God said was theirs. They're living on borrowed blessing. And God comes to the people of Israel at this moment and says you've compassed this mountain long enough you've lived in this repeated cycle long enough you've stayed stuck in these unbroken habits long enough God says it's time to turn northward and start walking towards the promise I've come to preach to you tonight what the Holy Ghost is speaking to us God's saying it's time to fix our walk it's time to redirect our walk because God's not interested in just wandering around cities and nations in these last days he's looking for a people who will rise up and answer the call and say God I'll walk with you but the problem was look at Deuteronomy 1 and 27 the problem was they had murmured in their tents not in the church in their tents when they got home from that corporate gathering back to the security of their private dwelling they start murmuring and they're saying one to another it's because the Lord has hated us what in the world who told you that God just sustained you for 40 years. God put food on the ground every morning. You're wearing the same shoes that you've been wearing for a long time. What in the world would make you think that God hates you? And the next verse gives us the answer. Look at verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover we have seen the sons of Anakims there. They're looking at these cities with massive walls. They're seeing giants in the land. In other words their circumstance spoke fear and fear lied to them about who God was. Fear started saying, God hates you. God doesn't love you. God won't help you. My friend, you hear me right now. There's a lot of backsliders. There's a lot of lukewarm people that are being pushed from God by the spirit of fear because some lie the enemy is speaking to you. If you're ever going to have dominion in your life, you're going to have to start walking with God. If you're ever going to break those generational cycles and those old habits, you're going to have to start walking with God. If we, uh, this is the requirement for revival. 
Because revival is not some mystical thing that God just drops from the sky into a church and a bunch of people start showing up. No, that's not how this works. I know the scripture says that no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. Right now, God is moving upon the hearts of many, drawing them by his Spirit. But you know what he's going to draw them to? He's going to draw them to a worker. You know what a worker is? It's somebody who's walking with God. Fear started lying to them how God hated them. Look the next verse. Then I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. Watch this. Where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth his son. You catch that? God is saying, I carried you like a man or a father carries his son. See, what the writer is showing us is that the deficiency with the people of God in this story was this simple misperception about who God was. God is our father. But you don't discover the fatherhood of God except in the context of relationship. You've got to walk with Him a little bit. There are going to be times that God challenges you and God corrects you. There's going to be times God sits you down and says, you need to hear my counsel. You need to hear my word. There's going to be times that are uncomfortable and unpleasant. But hear me tonight. God, above all, wants to be your father. But it was Israel's inability to see the fatherhood of God that can only be discovered in the context of sincere relationship that hindered them from walking in the authority that was theirs. God said, if you'll just go, I'll give it to you. If you'll just walk, it's already yours. But when they peered into that land of promise, they were more persuaded by what they saw than what God had spoken to them. Why? Because they had a misperception of who God was. I'm preaching tonight that the requirement for revival is simply walking with God. The requirement for revival is we've got to walk with God. And this causes us to consider an uncomfortable reality. Because you think, but I've been coming to church all these years. I know. But just coming to church is not the same as walking with God. I was in a service a few weeks ago and before I went to the pulpit, admittedly, my, my, it was nothing like what this was tonight. And my heart was very troubled at just the lack of flow and response to God in that service. And the Lord spoke to me and said, It's because they are serving me based upon their tradition and no present revelation. Tradition's not bad. In fact, there's a lot of times that tradition will keep you in times of trouble. But friend, you can't just serve God on the basis of empty tradition. There's got to be a fire burning in your heart. I'm preaching to every single 
person under the sound of my voice that the answer is simple. It's just getting back to the basics of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every single one of us needs to evaluate ourselves to make sure that we're not just walking with people that walk with God, but that we ourselves are actually walking with God. Because you can't conquer strongholds. You can't break cycles of, of generational difficulties and, and principalities and powers. and You can't break those habits and bondages and addiction. You can't walk in victory with performance religion. You need a powerful relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to walk with Him. I'm preaching about walking with God. How about coming out of hiding and actually saying, God, I'm ready to walk with you. The Bible tells us a story how the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines in 1 Samuel 4. They find themselves in battle and they get this idea. Well, let's just bring the Ark of the Covenant out here. That'll guarantee our victory. But it did not guarantee their victory. In fact, 30,000 men died. They lost the battle and the Ark of the Covenant. You think, how can this be? I'll tell you why. It's because God will not confirm empty tradition. The Spirit of the Lord will not bear witness if you treat God like a genie in a bottle. Oh, in my time of trouble. Lord, this is what I'd like. And God said, no, that's not what this ark is about. This is about sincere relationship. And if all this has become is vain repetition, if all this has become is empty tradition to you, then no, my spirit won't bear witness. No, there'll be no power. And God allows his people to suffer defeat that day. And the Ark of the Covenant is taken captive. But then the most unusual thing happens everywhere. The Philistines take it. Trouble breaks out. They finally bring it and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And when they come back, that statue of Dagon is laying on its face. And they raise it up and they come back again the next day. And they come and that statue is broken. Its head's broken off. Its hands are broken off. You know why? Because God was showing something to the powers of the world. He was teaching them, I am a living God that can work wonders. I am a living God that can speak to you. But this vain idol, these foolish statues, that has no power. And so when he He sent that idol to the ground. He broke its head and he broke its hand because that idol can't speak. That idol can't work wonders. But God was saying, I can do this, but you've got to walk with me. And finally, the Philistines are so troubled by all the, all the difficulty and all the, the unfortunate things that they're befalling because the ark is with them that they get this idea that after seven months' time, they're going to send it back. You probably heard this story. So what do they do? Well, they do what any logical person would do. They look for the easiest way. So they get some oxen. They get themselves a cart. And they put that ark up on the cart. And it starts making its way back. And finally, when David 
becomes king of that unified kingdom and he has a desire to get it back. It had been in the house of Abinadab. He wants it back at the center of the nation. They get that cart and they start bringing it back. I mean, it had been so long without the presence of God that evidently they forgot how to interact properly with it. And so here's the ark of God on this cart being pulled by oxen. And there comes a point on the journey the Bible says the oxen shook it as it puts forth his hand to hold the ark of God and the Lord takes his life. The scripture says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against him and he smote him there for his heir and he died by the ark of God. You think why in the world would God do this? He just saw that the the ark of God was about to fall. Why? Why? Why in the world? Why would God do such a thing? Because it was God that was causing that ark to fall. And when you try to hold up anything that God is trying to tear down, God has to deal with you. And can I tell you what God's kind of been putting his finger on the past couple years and talking to this young guy about is the necessity of sincere relationship. The necessity of actually walking with God. Because all this performance religion that has swept our world in the past couple decades, that's not going to get the job done. That can't free the drug addict. That can't change the alcoholic. And so what God was saying was, hey! You can't interact with my presence that way. You can't put this on a cart. Because what God said was I put holes on the side, ringlets on the side of that ark so the priest could put staves through. And when you want to move the presence of God, there's only one way to move it. That priest has got to pick that up by the stave. And you know what he's got to do? He's got to start walking. I'm preaching to somebody in this house tonight who's been coming to this church for a long time. You've been faithful to CCC, but you've not been too faithful to God. And I'm telling you this, I'm preaching to you right now. You know what the requirement Requirement for revival is it's that we start walking with God because you know what God's doing God's tearing down the ark that's been on the car convenience religion comfortable religion performance religion God has shaken that cart he's shaken the system of Saul and you know what he's looking for people that will carry the ark and walk with him Oh, but preacher, that's hard. I know it's hard. Because every single one of us has flesh that we've got to deal with. It's a lot easier to put that on the cart. It's a lot easier. It's more convenient. It's more pleasant. It might even seem quicker. Hey, I've been there. I remember going to plant a church with Pastor Jay. I remember wrestling with thoughts and ideas. Well, if we just do this, if we change that, if we do this, it'd be quicker. We could get a crowd. But I'm not looking for a crowd. I'm looking for walkers. I'm looking for people that say, I actually want to walk with God. Because the only way to have dominion in the land is to get out there and get the sole of your feet in the soil of the city. There's no substitute. There's no alternative. The requirement for revival and Fredericton, New Brunswick is that we all purpose in our hearts we will walk with God. You can't put it on a cart. You've got to carry it. That cart to me is a synonym. It's a picture, a symbol of the religious system of the present day. 
This convenient faith. This just make God whatever you want him to be. Pick and choose what part of the Bible you like. My friend, that won't do it. God needs people to carry the ark. Didn't Paul write to Timothy? He said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. He said, they have a form. It looks right. They have a building. Church is on the sign. They have instruments like you do. It's so similar. It, it looks right. But God said, the problem is, is that they're denying the power. They're not really walking with me. But David who God would later say was a man after my own heart, was something different about David. He was consumed with the presence of God. He was intent on it being the central thing in his life and the kingdom. He wanted everybody to have access to the presence of God, to hear the jubilance of God's presence and the glory of being in God's presence. And so when they're taking that ark back, the Bible says he would take six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six. And he would stop and then he would sacrifice under the Lord and he would begin to dance and worship. You know why? Because the presence of God was central in his life. It's almost like God was saying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then on Sunday, come to the house and let's do a little something special. But here's the reality. You can't skip one through six and get right to seven. God needs people that'll walk with him That was the peril of Genesis chapter 3. God had come to where he had walked with Adam so many times before. But this time when he showed up, Adam was nowhere to be found. God forbid that that promise you've been waiting on for decades. Or that revival that's been prophesied about for decades. That God would come walking through your life. Or walking through your family. Or walking through this city. To do what he said he was always going to do. But the peril of Genesis 3 become the peril of 2022. That there was nobody there to walk with God. Hey, hear me. This is a beautiful sanctuary. You've done a phenomenal job. This is a beautiful building. The musicians were amazing. It sounded phenomenal. I thank God for all of these blessings but hear me tonight this will not do it what God needs is people who will walk with him it's easy to appease our conscience and tell ourselves it's all going to be okay because we've got the form of godliness it looks right it sounds right it's familiar it's what it's always been but I'm asking you you who've gathered here on the seven what about the one the two the three the four the five the six what about the Monday the Tuesday the Wednesday the Thursday the Friday the Saturday The requirement for revival is that we walk with God. I don't have it all figured out, but here's one thing I have learned. Most of the things that used to bother me, most of the things I've struggled with, most of the battles in my life, you know how I overcame them? I just kept walking. I just kept walking. Pastor Jay, how are we going to get this church planted? How's God going to reach this city? We're just going to keep walking. We're just going to keep walking. 
We're just going to keep walking because God said, every place the sole of your foot shall tread therein, I have given you the land. If you'll just walk with God, you'll walk yourself in to a measure of dominion and a measure of authority that when you walk into your workplace, you might be at the bottom of the corporate totem pole, but you'll have unparalleled influence. You know why? It's not because you got the best degree. It's not because you're the smartest in the building. It's because everybody else senses something flowing out your spirit you know what it is it's the overflow of a walk with God and you get on your job site and God starts dealing with you how about praying for so and so or witnessing to so and so you know why it's the overflow of a walk with God it is the simple unmistakable you can't skip it it's the necessity it's the requirement for revival so Paul says, Timothy, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. One translation says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. What are you tied up with? Because I tell you what I hear God saying is I'm looking for people to just walk with me. I was in prayer yesterday morning. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I am again taking my people to Gilgal before they can possess the promise. And so I went to the word of the Lord and began to look up Gilgal. I knew it in its first mention. I knew it was found in Joshua 5 that those who had been born in the wilderness had to go to Gilgal to be circumcised before God would permit them to go into the promise. I was familiar with that, but admittedly, I had never seen or could not remember by memory this. But in 1 Samuel 11, verse 14, I think it is, the Bible said that the prophet called them back to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. Gilgal, the place where they dealt with the cutting away of the flesh because God was saying you can't go into promise you can't walk in that dimension of authority you can't operate with that amount of dominion if you've still got the influence of flesh in your life so I've got to take you to Gilgal and I've got to cut away that flesh and hear me now the Bible says that after that happened they went into their tents and they stayed there until they were whole Sometimes God's going to speak to us in ways that's uncomfortable, that's unpleasant, that's challenging. It's going to hurt us a little bit. It's going to mess with us a little bit. And you know what you need to do? Get in your tent and you stay there till you're whole. Because the reality is, is we won't reach this city or any city or any nation by pretty performance religion if we're going to have real apostolic revival. If we're going to see the miracles and signs and wonders that we've prayed for and preached about and that we're believing for and talk, if we're going to see that. Hear me now. I've heard Bishop John Men's story about taking that epileptic child in his arms and praying and never having another seizure again. I've heard Bishop's story 
boy, I, you know where it came from? It came from a walk with God. It wasn't some patty cake prayer. It wasn't pulling out the genie in a bottle and saying, God, I'm in trouble. Can you help me now? No. It was a man who said, God, I'm walking with you every day. God, I'm walking with you every day. He and Nyla, they walk into that city, put a little ad out on the radio, put some flyers up around town, and 500 people are showing up at Shabucto Road High School to hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? It's because he walked with God, and that walk took him into a measure of dominion that made things possible. And I fear, and I know because I've wrestled with it in my own life, that in 2022, we think nice buildings and programs and instruments are going to get the job done. Hey, this isn't going to come by systems and good structure and organization. We need all that stuff to be good stewards. But I'll tell you what we really need more than anything. We need people to walk with God. And so I ask you, to turn your eyes inward for a moment and consider yourselves and ask what flesh in me does God have to deal with in order for me to walk humbly. I see the system of Saul, the system of earthly kingdoms, the system of man-made religion operates on the basis of pride. You don't believe me? You'd be shocked how many people pick their church based upon the music or the building or the programs. They don't know what the people preach and teach and they really could care less. They want something that makes them feel good because it's a system of pride. On the contrary, everything God does operates through humility. That's why even Jesus himself, the Bible said, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You think, how in the world could you have not have known Jesus was the Messiah? After all, he did. Blinded eyes, deaf ears, crippled limbs, the dead were raised. How could you not know? It's because he lived and operated by humility. And humility shielded him from all of those unnecessary things. Humility was his hiding place. And I'm asking you to turn your eyes inward for a moment and ask yourself in light of the word of the Lord this night, what flesh do I have to deal with in order to walk humbly with God? Because you know what's happening in our world is there's a shaking and the people who've tried to put the ark on the cart, it's going to fall. And the people who try to hold it up are going to be exposed. Because what God is shaking is a performance system. And he's looking for this simple thing, people to walk with him. Our keyboard can come back. The requirement for revival is people walking with God. I remember when I first got saved, first began to interact in different church communities, and first went to those first few ministers' meetings, and I just thought everybody loved God and loved each other. I thought we were all on the same team, working for the same goal. 
And the sad reality was is I learned that wasn't the case for everybody. Now hear me, I'm not saying they're bad people. That's not what I'm saying. But what happens is somewhere along the way, circumstance stifles the fire or the passion of your relationship with God. And you stop seeing Him as your Father. And He's just like some distant deity, some boss, some Lord. Hey, He's all those things. He's sovereign. When He speaks, you better submit. But if you're going to walk in authority in your life, you're going to have to discover a dimension of relationship with God that's only found in fatherhood. Hey, He might be your friend. He might be close to you. He might be your helper in time of trouble. But above all, He's your Father. But it was Israel's deficiency in this relationship. Their inability to perceive the fatherhood of God. To walk with Him like a child would his dad. That kept them from entering into the promise God said was theirs. What does CCC need to have revival in this city? You don't need a better building. You don't need more money. You don't need to renovate anything else. You don't need new tech or new instruments. You don't know. All you need is people that walk with God. People that will say, I want to be like David. That above all else, I'm going to make sure on Monday I hear from God. On Tuesday, I hear from God. On Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday that I'm walking with God. But then on Sunday, I'm going to come into the house of God. And it's going to be something a little bit special. What's God looking for? People that will just walk with Him. People that will come out of hiding. But you say, Brother Dan, you said it this morning and it's so true, I'm, I'm weary. And so I've come to speak to this before we close in prayer. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it's a very familiar scripture. But there's a word in this verse that we often overlook, in my opinion. We emphasize the trust component and we overlook that little word lean he said don't lean on your own understanding what is leaning leaning is the posture of weariness it's somebody who's looking to lean to relieve the burden of weight that they've been carrying God said, if you're weary, if you're seeking rest, if you need to lean, don't lean on your own understanding. You think, oh, I was just hoping to get home and watch something else on Netflix or scroll through YouTube or, or, or see what was happening on Facebook. I, I was going to flip through Instagram. I, I was going to go through the drive-thru. I, I, I was going to get some more ice cream. or I was planning on a vacation. I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for a new job. I want a better car, a better house. No! 
Don't lean on your own understanding. He said, if you'll acknowledge me in all your ways, I shall direct thy paths. The, 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 what? the paths where you walk. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But hear it, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you're faint... If you're weak, if you're weary, you've got to wait on the Lord. That word wait doesn't mean to just kind of twiddle your thumbs and pass time. No, it means to look with eager expectation or hopeful expectation, to linger in anticipation. He said, if you'll wait on me, then you can walk. And not faint. But the sad reality is. Is that too often. We found other things to lean on. And other things to wait on. And so we get like Israel. And when the way is long. And we're weary in mind. And we're weary in body. We've got no strength to draw from. You know why? It's because we're waiting on the wrong thing. Waiting on COVID to disappear. Waiting on my job to change. Waiting for my car to be better. Waiting for a new house. Waiting for this. Waiting for that. No. We're waiting on God. I'm preaching to you tonight the requirement for revival in this city, in this church, is simply walking with God. If you want to have personal dominion in your life, if you're tired of struggling through the same old stuff and battling the same old thing, if you're tired of living in that cycle of, of, of Sunday and then weekly low and Sunday and weekly low and Sunday and weekly low, I'll tell you what you've got to do. You've got to restore your walk and you've got to wait on God because when you're waiting on God, He said, I'll give power to them that are weak. I'll strengthen them that are weak and all of a sudden your walk even though you thought you were weary something starts happening and God says you can walk and not be weary would you stand together with me right now I ask you what God said to them in Deuteronomy 2. Do you think you've compassed this mountain long enough? Have you wandered in complacency and on the threshold of promise long enough? Do you want to move into that place of dominion? Do you want to move into that place of authority? Do you want to see the promises of God that have been spoken in times past? Here's what you've got to do. You've got to prioritize walking with God.
There's no substitute. God said when the cloud moves, you've got to be watching. You've got to be ever watching. You've got to be spiritually aware. Because when the cloud moves, you've got to move. If God says here, it's here. If God says there, it's there. But the problem is, is oftentimes our spiritual senses are dulled by our overconsumption of media and our distraction by present circumstances in this world. And so God speaks and God moves in reality he's walking and we find ourselves like Adam hiding in the trees here's what I've learned from a lot of observation since 2007 people that are used greatly by God in churches that see true growth, not borrowed blessing. I'm not talking about transfer growth. I'm talking about genuine revival. Where there's enough new conversions and miracles that the face of the church begins to change by the harvest God grants you. Here's what I've learned. It's not because they had a great building. It's not because their programs were awesome. It's not because they had the slickest website in the city. It's not how the pastor dressed or the talents on the platform or the modern lobby. No. It's because there were people that walked with God. I don't know about you, but I've had to do some evaluation. When I look back over my life and I realized there were a lot of years that I thought just showing up on Sunday would be enough for God to build His church. That I thought just because I had put a little something together and come on Sunday that God would reach the city. And I had neglected to walk with Him. But there's something in my heart now that says, if nothing else, God, I want to walk with you. If you want to speak to me some things in the cool of the garden, I want to listen. Hear me. You are an amazing church. You are a beautiful people. You are loved by God. But I know what I heard from God yesterday morning. And God is taking His people to Gilgal again. To deal with the remnants of flesh that were permitted to live in the wandering. And if we're going to walk in real dominion, in real authority... And take the city God said is ours. You're going to have to let your pastor get up here. You're going to have to let men and women of God come by. And take out that word. And start to confront the flesh. And cut away the flesh. Oh, it's going to hurt. And you're not going to like it. 
And God's going to start pressing on you and say, you can't hear my voice and keep watching that stuff. You can't listen to music like that and be used by me. You can't give all your time to that activity and have authority in your life. And it would be real easy in your offense to say something that would cost you when you try to hold up the ark. God is shaking down. And so I caution you tonight. Don't speak in your pain. Go to your tent until you're made whole. When the Holy Ghost comes to confront you and challenge you, you receive the word with gladness and you go home and in your tent you let God begin to work you over. Because here's the reality. Most of what God speaks to you should be in your tent. Didn't God say about John? John, blessed is he who's not offended in me. I've had opportunities to let offense destroy me. But I've learned I've got to humble myself and receive it. I've had some conversations with pastor and with counsel in my life where they've put their finger on my motives and asked questions and challenged me and oh, it's uncomfortable. It feels like surgery. But here's what I've discovered. Coming out of every one of those experiences, it's like God starts walking with me in a greater measure, in a greater dimension, in a greater authority. I'm preaching to CCC and to every single believer under the sound of my voice. You know what God's looking for? For you to come out of hiding and start walking with Him. What is it you're hiding behind tonight? Whatever it is, you've got to come out and start walking with God. Because the circumstances in your family that you want to change, the realities in your life that you're waiting for God to change, here's the truth. It's not going to happen because you show up on Sunday and you rub the little genie bottle and say, God, please do it now. God is saying, if you want dominion in that land, if you want to possess that city, if you want to conquer that stronghold, you start walking with me. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. You've wrestled with junk in your marriage and with your children for a long time. And you hear me right now. If you'll hear the word of God and you'll get back to your tent tonight and you'll start evaluating the avenues of flesh through which the enemy has access to your life, life and you'll start walking with God you'll wake up tomorrow morning and say God I'm going to walk with you today and on Tuesday I'm going to walk with you today you'll discover something God has a dominion that can allow you to conquer that old spirit that you've tolerated for a long time would you lift up your hands to the Lord right now 
Come on, would you just make this sanctuary a place of repentance right now? Would you open up your heart? Would you humble yourself before the Lord? Search me now, God. Try me. Lord, know if there be any wicked way in me. As I look at myself in the mirror of your word, oh God, I give you permission to challenge me. Check my motives. Search the hidden places of my heart. Come on, if I wish there'd be some young adults or some young married couples, some 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 year old people that would hear me. You have the potential to be the strength of the harvest in this city, but you've got to walk with God. Ah, <laughs> come on we feel the drawing of the spirit right now we feel the conviction of God right now you know why because God's looking for people that will walk with them Let me tell you what I feel. The Bible teaches us that there are four levels of prayer. Elder Verbal Bean used to teach this, wrote a book about it. The Bible talks about prayer, about supplication, about thanksgiving, and about intercession. Prayer is just our conversation with God. Supplication is our asking of the Lord. We supplicate the Lord for Ukraine, for people who are ill, our supplication. Thanksgiving is very simple. It's our thanksgiving to God, but in the Bible says there's intercession. It's the only dimension of prayer where you cease to be in control. In other words, it's the dimension in the spirit that you can't get with flesh. Because flesh quenches the spirit. Flesh hinders the flow of the spirit. 
And what I'm feeling in this room right now, I think what some others are feeling is the drawing of the Spirit. It's what we were feeling before I ever started preaching. The drawing of the Spirit to a deep place where you can begin to intercede. It's not your thoughts. It's not your words. You have no idea what you speak by the mind of the Spirit. But you enter into a realm of spiritual dominion and spiritual authority where you cease to be in control and God starts speaking through you and doing things. But you can't get there by flesh. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to draw us into intercession right now. Some of us might have to deal with our flesh before we get there. But for you that feel the drawing of the Spirit, I wish you would just step into that place right now. Come on, that's it. Press into the Spirit a little bit. Press into the Spirit a little bit. You'd be amazed at what God would say to you and speak to you and show you in that dimension. Come on, I hear him saying, come on, walk with me. Come back to the garden and walk with me. That's all I'm asking for. It's just a relationship with you. There's just some things I want to tell you. If you hear what I have to say, you'd walk in more dominion. You'd walk in greater authority. Come on, I told you this morning, we've got a war and we've got a work. And how it's going to happen is we're going to war in the house and we're going to work in the field. Right now, it's time to war. Come on. Come on, CCC. There's a dimension of the Spirit that God is making available to us, that God is inviting us into. There's a realm of the prophetic that God says you can abide in. Yes.
Come on, that's it. Press into the Spirit. Don't retreat. Just kind of put your foot on the spiritual gas pedal right now and press in. Stir up the gift that is within you right now. Ah. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, that's it. We're stepping into it right now. We're stepping into the realm of the prophetic. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Come on, deep calleth unto deep. The depth of the Spirit is calling. Come on, if you'll just lean into that right now. If you'll just allow the thoughts of your mind and the meditations of your heart, lean into the Spirit, God is going to begin to speak to you things. Some of you are going to have pictures come to your mind. That's God showing you. That's God getting your attention. That's God speaking to you. It could be faces of people God saying, you can reach. It could be things in your life God is saying, I need to deal with. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, when Zion travails, when CCC travails, Yes, 
Yes, yes, yes. Come on, there's some of you in this room, you have neglected gifts in your spirit. You know God has pressed you towards the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe in the past you even were used in the gifts of the Spirit, but you've neglected them because that's not just something you come in and out of. It's the overflow of relationship. And the Holy Ghost is calling you back tonight, back into fellowship, back into relationship. And He's saying the gifts aren't gone. The prophecy's not expired. The promise is still there. I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna walk with you. Shaka ya 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 ya